Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. What a wonderful and awesome day the Lord has made. He's given us this opportunity to be in his house one more time. And I'm very grateful to be in the house of the Lord one more time. Amen. I have a word from the Lord tonight. And I pray that you will receive what the Lord has to say to you tonight. Amen. Well, let us stand and let us go before the Lord in prayer. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. God is good. Amen. I have a job for you, Gabrielle. I've been waiting just to try to hopefully you won't fall out when I tell you. I'm praying for you. So when I tell you what you what your responsibility will be, you won't lose your mind. But it's an assignment from the Lord. It's an assignment from the Lord. So and not the one you just got. That was just added in. That was just thrown in. That's not the real one. This one is. This one is. Stand up. You're going to need to pray. Don't sit down. <laughs> Sitting down not going to help the situation. Standing up and praying will help you better. Hallelujah. God is good. I just love when he does these things. You know, God assigns us to do things. And we have no clue what it means at the moment. You know, we'll sometimes try to make up our own meaning and understanding of what it means. And sometimes we're just so far away from the true meaning of why God does something. It's, it's, it's not even, it's just laughable sometimes what we think God means when he means something totally different. But that's why it's just good to obey him. Just, just obey him. It, it's not going to always look clear. You're not going to always have, you know, understanding and all of that stuff. You just have to say, God, I trust you. And who in their right mind that come to know about God won't trust him? If you in your right mind and you know God, you know that should be an easy term or easy thing. And that is to trust the Lord because you don't have to worry about him letting you down and worry about him not doing right by you. So we thank God for that. So how about we go before the Lord in prayer tonight? And I want you to tell God to challenge you tonight. Say, God, challenge me. Ask him to do something miraculous in you and through you. Ask him to help you to fulfill his purpose. How about we pray? Lord Jesus, tonight we're so grateful. We're so thankful, Lord God, that you afforded us this opportunity and, oh, God, we're grateful to be in your house one more time. You woke us up today. You started us on our way. Lord, you protected us from danger and harm. We're only standing here tonight, Lord God, because of your goodness, because of your faithfulness, because of your kindness and your mercy and your love toward us. Uh, God, tonight we repent of our sins. For, Lord, oftentimes we look over our life and we realize that we have sinned against you. And oftentimes we may have sinned omitting to do the things we know we're supposed to do. 
And sometimes, Lord God, we sin by doing things you already told us not to do. But Lord, because of your mercy and your grace, your faithfulness, oh God, you allow us to come to you in repentance. For God, tonight we come to you in repentance. You said, oh God, if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And tonight we ask that the blood of Jesus be applied to our life one more time and that we will be cleansed from all iniquities, purged from all unrighteousness, set free from all sin, that our heart will be pure, our hands will be clean, and we're able tonight, Lord God, to have an encounter with you, to have fellowship with you, Lord God. That when we leave this place tonight, Lord God, we will have been changed. We will have been touched by you. We will have heard your word, Lord God, and understand the things that we ought to do. I pray that you will stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost that is inside of us, Lord God. That we will be, oh God, stirred by your spirit, stirred by your power. That, Lord, we will not be able to contain ourselves tonight. That as you do the miraculous in us, Lord God, we will obey. We will submit, Lord God. We will allow you to do just what you want to do. We will allow you to be, oh God, just what you need to be in our life, Lord God. Tonight, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that whatever have us bound uh, that we're not able to praise you. Uh, whatever have us bound uh, that we're not able to pray like we need to. Uh, whatever have us bound uh, that we're not comprehending the word of God uh, in a clear and concise manner. Whatever have us bound uh, that we're not able to worship uh, and to praise uh, like we ought to. Uh, I pray tonight, Lord, uh, that you will come to our rescue uh, and that you will rescue us tonight, Lord, uh, that we will never be the same. Uh, and that prayer will begin to flow, and that the reading of the word, we will receive comprehension and understanding from it, and that God, nothing will hinder us from lifting our hands, from lifting our voice, from bowing our knees, from giving you the adoration and the praise, but God, we will do it, but God, we will give all to you. We ask tonight, God, that your spirit will take control, and that your spirit will have preeminence, and that your will will be done, O oh God. Oh, Father, allow us to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us tonight. Allow us to be transformed just a little bit more, that we will draw closer to you, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to embrace and to obey what that is that you have called us to be and do. Tonight, Lord, touch our ears to hear, our heart to receive, and anoint me to speak as your oracle. And tonight, the Holy Ghost will do a work in this place. The Holy Ghost will move upon us in a tremendous way. Lord, we want your will to be done. Oh, God, open up heaven and pour out your Spirit upon us tonight. We give you the praise and the Honor, and we ask you all of these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Can the church begin to praise the Lord? Will you clap your hands? Will you thank him tonight? Will you let out your voice and let the Lord know what you think about him and what he's doing in this hour? God, we love you. We thank you for what you're doing. We, oh God, honor you and praise you. 
Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. Bless your holy name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise. Lord, we give you the honor and the praise. Oh, God, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's clap our hands onto the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord some praise tonight. Act like you're glad to be in the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, let me tell you something. I'm going to challenge you that you begin to stand for what you believe in with passion. Not, not, just, not just say, I believe, but, but stand for what you believe with passion. Because every one of us here tonight, there's something in our life or some things in our life that we're passionate about. And while we all demonstrate passion in a different way, we are passionate about something. Some of us, it might be our children, our spouse, our sports team, whatever it is. We have some things that we're passionate about. And, and people know we're passionate about those things because they see our actions. I'm going to challenge you tonight, and I'm going to keep challenging you, that if you're passionate about the Lord, you ought to show it and not just say it. You ought to show it and act like it. If you're passionate about Jesus, you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God for his word tonight. And I believe God's going to speak to our hearts tonight. Amen. Let's turn our Bibles to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Amen. Again, it's good to see everyone in the house of the Lord. What a great privilege it is to come into the house of the Lord. It's good to be together. Somebody say together. And we, we, we don't know how badly we need each other. You can't make it on your own. I don't care how spiritual you are. I mean, from the very beginning, God says it's not good for man to be, to be alone. From the very beginning, it's not good that man should be alone. And it's never changed since then. It's not good that we stay by ourselves. It's not good that we be alone. And if you alone, literally... I'm praying with you that God will help you to not be alone, send you just the right spouse so you won't be alone. And if you were the spouse and you alone, look at Sister Sylvia. Why I got to see her all the way in the back? I got you. I mean, you know I've got you covered. <laughs> Only problem is when you find him, you got to bring him to me. You know you got to. You know you. All the single people know when you find a spouse, you got to bring them to me. And I'll do you real good. You know I'll do you real good. I won't let you get into no mess. No, 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 no. I'll see to it that you get the right person that's going to make you happy. Amen. I'm not going to let you get yourself entangled up with people that's just, you know, faking it and pretending, you know, lying just so they can get, you know, whatever. No, I'm going to make sure you get the right person. Amen. So keep the faith and I'm praying. Hallelujah. And for those of you that are married and you alone, I'm praying that you won't be alone while you're married. Oh, yeah. Ain't too much that the preacher don't know when it comes down to all these relationship stuff. I'm a relationship person, so I, I get nosy about relationships. 
because I love relationship. I love when relationship is working real good. Oh, man, I love it. I think it's some of the I think it's just so wonderful. You know, just like it's no, you know, yes, spousal relationship. I love when that's working. Family relationship. I love when it's working. But I love relationships so much that I like to watch a team work. Because a team working together, meaning they're depending on each other and everyone knows what they're supposed to do. And they're doing it to make the team accomplish what it's supposed to accomplish. So being together in every essence is so good. That's why the Bible says it's beautiful. For us to dwell together in unity. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. The Bible says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, let me probably explain that text here a little bit for you so you kind of follow this entire uh, teaching tonight, our Bible study tonight. God's invisible qualities are clearly seen. So we know in the beginning God, but you couldn't see him. God is a spirit. So in the very beginning that we know, because God has no beginning nor ending, but the beginning that we come to know, Adam's beginning, right? In the beginning... God invisible qualities are clearly seen. How is God's invisible quality clearly seen? God created the world with natural processes, with cause and effect. In the same way that observing a painting leads to a person to conclude that there is an artist. You hear me? So to observe the tremendous creation is to conclude that there is a supreme creator, one with eternal power and divinity. This is part of the truth that unsaved people are suppressing. So simply put, people are spending tons of money on art. Woo! Can you just see that? And you're looking like, see what? And they're looking through this beautiful art. And then they check the name out. Who's the artist? Ooh, Picasso. We have to get that. Because Picasso painted that art. And then we want to explore God, his church. And then we want to look at this world and how it's designed. And we don't want to give credit that it was a Picasso that designed it. We just want to believe that it. we are so hypocritical sometimes. We want to believe a painting was painted by a person, but this such a complicated, but yet cohesive and connected world just came together. I don't know how we're going to explain that one. Because what the scripture is telling us, we know the truth, but we're suppressing the truth. That God designed all of this. We know it. But we're, we're suppressing the truth that God designed this wonderful and beautiful world. Because there's no way we're going to say an artist painted that beautiful picture. But this world just came together. Verse 21. Because that 
when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were they thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. I want to talk to you tonight or teach tonight on this topic. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. <laughs> they give Picasso his credit and they give everybody else the credit. In sports, you always know I'm going to bring some sports in there. In sports, for those of you that don't know, for the longest, we've been debating who is more responsible for the New England Patriots sixth championship over the past 20 years. We've been debating, is it the quarterback Tom Brady or is the coach Bill Belichick? And you will always get a nice heated conversation going when you get bring that subject up. Some is saying, oh, well, the coach is more responsible. And some is saying the quarterback is more responsible. And that's an endless debate. That will be debated till the end of time because we want to assign the credit to somebody. And it's interesting how when we look at this vast world and all that's in it, we won't give the credit to where the credit belongs. With knowledge comes responsibility. <laughs> That's why maybe some people are ducking the, 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 the knowledge or suppressing the knowledge. But with knowledge comes responsibility. Knowledge influences our behavior positively or negatively. It's what you know that drives your behavior. It's what you know that drives your behavior. What you don't know, usually you just avoid or ignore. Underline usually, because somebody's going to say, oh, no, I get curious. I hear you. I just said usually, okay? What you know is what drives you. Because it's hard for the unknown to drive you. So it's what you know that drives you. However, in some instance, it's best we are ignorant or we have no knowledge of some things. Yes, what we know drives us. But in some instance, it's best we just don't know some things. It's best we ignore some things. If what we know drives us. Genesis 2 and 15 says this, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. 
Jump down to Genesis chapter 3, verse number 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took up the fruit thereof, and did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You know, I read this all the time. I, I, I mean, I always read Genesis. I preach on this stuff a lot. But I'm reading recently again, and I said, and it says, and when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, all right, I'm following, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, I'm following, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, I wasn't following. How did she know the tree would make her wise? How did she know the tree would make her wise? Because all her husband told her is, don't even touch it. The husband was trying to be so safe, he said, don't even touch it. But all of a sudden now, she said it's, it, it, it could make her wise. Information, knowledge, driving her behavior. First thing that was wrong she was just supposed to stay away from the tree. Man, I should have brought this in because this making me have discussion here. So that's the tree right there. And her husband said, leave the tree alone. God said, don't mess with the tree. Leave it just where it is. Don't touch it. Don't eat from it. Just leave the tree. Once you hear that, you should just try to stay away from the tree. If I can't do anything with the tree, why would I even get close to the tree? So I'm here to tell you and me and everybody else in here. Whenever you show up where you're not supposed to show up, the devil will help you out. We get so upset and we get so Whatever we become when we're told not to do something. That we almost get indignant and dogmatic and you won't tell me what to do. We get so much like that. And the bottom line is when you get like that, the devil is present. He will show up because his job now is. Ooh, ooh, if I can get them to do that now, because now. They don't want to hear anybody. And so the husband told her not to mess with it. And she, well, let me just at least look. Check it out. And she's checking it out. When she got on the scene, here he comes. Half the battle. She already did made my, my thing a little easier because instead of her staying away, she got close. And that's when he started talking to her. Whatever God tells us to stay away from, we need to stay far away from it. Because the closer we get to it, the more present the devil will be in your life. The devil is there to get you to do what God say not to do. So she, she came up with the thought of this tree making her wise because somebody told her that. She took of the fruit thereof and she gave and we know the story. And then verse 7 says, And the eyes of them both were open and they 
knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. So before she messed with the tree, she didn't know anything about what, 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 what the tree revealed to her now after she disobeyed. So there are some things, church, it's just best not to know. Because once you get the knowledge, it's going to interfere with your behavior. It's not because you're bad, you're evil, it's just the way it is. Once you go lurking where you shouldn't lurk, you're going to get some help from the devil. And if you give in to what the devil is doing, then now you find yourself knowing what you should never have known. Our denial of our own awareness of God is what leaves us without excuse for not responding to him. So when we don't respond to God, it doesn't matter how much we deny anything because we've been made aware that God does exist and he's real. When Paul says that men knew God, He is not describing an intimate knowledge that can save them, but a knowledge that simply recognize God's existence. So when when you hear about knowing, sometimes the Bible is talking about something deep and intimate, but sometimes it's just talking about just recognizing, just acknowledging. And so in the text, when it says, and they, they knew not God, It's just saying they didn't recognize him. But the bottom line is they know him. They they understand that God exists. They just won't recognize him. Paul was describing an awareness of God that if not suppressed would be nurtured by God. Don't miss that part. God make us as people aware of him not intimately first he makes us aware by this design this beautiful design of this world and us being here he made us aware now it's our turn to respond in recognition that he's created and designed all this stuff and what god is promising us is once we recognize He is the one that designed all of this and created us. He promised he will nurture that recognition. This is very important. He didn't leave you to figure it all out on your own. He says, look at this world. I created it. Right, Adam? Because when you got here, Adam, it was already here. Yes, Lord, it was already here. Look at everything in the world. Yes. And now look at you. So you know I did all of this because you came and I'm telling you I did all of this. Once you recognize that, once you acknowledge that, once you respond to that, God is making us a promise. He will nurture that understanding 
that you will begin to grow in your knowledge of him, that you will begin to grow in your understanding of him, that you will begin to get closer to him because you will learn of him now. But it starts with us recognizing and acknowledging and responding to him as God. Most, if not all the world, are aware of God. For most of the people I interact with weekly, they have admitted at some point in time that God is good, or they pray to God, or God has blessed them, but but they have denied or rejected him in their frequent behavior. Most people you run into will tell you they pray. Most people you run into will tell you God has blessed them. Most people you run into is going to tell you God is good. Whether you run into them or you know them, they're going to tell you these things. But their behavior continually deny him. Because how can you understand and recognize who he is, the one who designed this world? And just keep on walking and keep on talking and keep on being just your regular self after you come to the understanding and saying, God, how? How? Because I watch us and we all have some kind of thing going on in our life with people that we like. Oh, I like them. We all have people that we esteem highly in this life. And they cannot hold a candle to God. So how do we explain? How do we reconcile to God that, yeah, 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 we know about you, God, but, you know, just didn't have time. How do we reconcile that to him? How will we stand before him and explain that when we have some people in our life that we're highly esteeming? Oh, do you know Bishop so-and-so? Oh, so-and-so can really preach. Oh, I went to the conference because you know who's going to be at the conference? So-and-so going to be at the conference. We're going to conferences where preachers, man, like me and you, are preachers. And you're going to conference because you want to hear that preacher. What are we going to tell God? What are we going to tell God? Human history began with man knowing God. Human history is not the story of a beast that worshipped idols and then evolved into a man worshipping one God. Human history is just the opposite. Man began knowing God, but turned from the truth and rejected God. God revealed himself to man through creation, the things that he made. From the world around him, man knew that there was a God who had the wisdom to plan and the power to create. We know it. We can't get around the church. We may not know God intimately right now, but we know there's a God. We may not have this right relationship with him right now, but we know there's a God. Men knew the truth about God, but they did not allow this truth to work in their lives. They suppressed it in order that they might live their own lives and not be convicted by the word of truth. 
I've said that for a while. That the best way to do what you want is just to ignore God. Most people decided that they didn't want to get saved in their mind because they don't want to change their lifestyle. And that's a fact. People just got to admit that. Yeah. Here's what they say sometimes. You go to that Pentecostal church? Yeah. I'm not going to a Pentecostal church. They got legalism going on in there. I'm not going to that Pentecostal church. They telling me how I got to look and what I got to do. I'm not going to that Pentecostal church because, you know, they it's like they want your blood. And people go on and on and on and on. And what I've said a long time about that is stop blaming the church and be a man or be a woman and said, I'm not going to church because God wants too much from me. Blame it on God. Stop blaming on the church. The church can't come up with something it didn't know. Church only came up with what they read in the book. I'm not crazy enough to believe man can't add his own thing and do some things that's not right. I know that exists, but for the most part, most churches are only conveying to the people of God what the book says. So don't walk around and say, I'm not going to that church because they want too much. They want you to be this way and want you to be that way because it's not them. It's God. So be a grown-up and just say, God wants too much from me, so I'm not doing that. God wants too much. Can't do all of that. Be bold. Be strong. Hold on to your convictions if that's what you believe. If you believe God wants too much and that's why you're going to look the way you want to look, dress the way you want to dress, act the way you want to act, and, and just live your life the way you just say that this is what you want and you just ain't down for doing everything God wants. Say it. Don't hide behind no church. Don't hide behind nothing. Say it. But I'm here to tell you, when you come to know the truth, When you know and understand that God did all this, you might want to start pondering that a little bit more. Because if he did all of this, he can do a whole lot more than you know about or not know about. When people refuse to recognize God as creator, they will also fail to glorify or thank him for his blessings. When they neglect God, They open the door to evil. Church, let me tell you something. There are little things. There are little things sometimes when we come together and I'm ministering the word of God or whoever is up here ministering the word of God. When they say what needs to be said, listen to me carefully. It might seem like it's not a big deal, but I'm telling you, the devil watched Eve till she started looking at the tree. The devil is watching you to see what you do when you hear the word of God. And if he thinks that he has an in with you, he won't stop. He's going to keep beating on your door to get you to get to sinning and doing wrong. So it might not seem like a big deal when you neglect to glorify God, but it will lead eventually to sin. This is what people haven't realized over the years. When, when, when we used to go to church back in the day and we would hear the preacher say, don't even go outside the door of the nightclub. 
If I'm not going in, what's the big problem? What's the big deal? That's how, that's how we talk. And all the preacher was trying to convey to you is, you don't have no business in there. Stay away from there. Because stand, standing outside might not be a sin. Looking at the tree when Eve was looking at it wasn't a sin. Y'all got to catch that. There are things that you will hear from a man of God, from a woman of God, that is not sin. It's not a heaven and hell thing. But it's something that will keep you from sinning. So sometimes you might hear me say some things and you might say, well, what's the big deal there? Come on now. It's something that will keep you from sinning. To omit what is good inevitably, inevitably leads to committing what is evil. So if you omit to do what is good, inevitably it will lead you to commit evil. Ingratitude may seem like a small thing, but it begins the downward spiral into depravity. To forget to thank God for all he is and all he has done reveals a dangerous self-centeredness. When you can't just thank God. Lord, I thank you. I know I'm here tonight because of your goodness. I know I could have been dead a long time ago, but you've been good to me. I know I could have lost my mind, but you kept me. I know you have kept me, Lord. I know you have kept your hand on me. I know you have upheld me. I know you have kept me from real bad sickness. I know you have done that, Lord. I know you have provided for me. I know I have health and strength because of you. I know it and I will always declare it and I will always believe that. I know it. We got to do that with passion and with conviction. Not just, thank God. Here is something to ponder. You know how the Bible says, if you don't praise me, the rocks will cry out. Here is a, just a, a small understanding, Josiah. You probably have done this, Josiah. We all have, but I'm just using you as an example. Listen to me. Sometimes things work out in our favor and without us even knowing. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You didn't even think about it. You didn't put any effort into it. It just came out of you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's what it means by the rocks will cry out. That things, because God created all things, it don't have a choice but to respond to him. Because he created it. He designed it. He brought it into existence. So that's why the elements, that's why nature, that's why everything responds to God. Because he designed it all. Here's my point I'm trying to make. Don't allow that thing that just come out natural because you were designed by him be the only way you acknowledge him. In case you missed it, you can sit here tonight and say amen just because you were designed by God. You can't help yourself. You were designed by him. You came from him. So just by that alone, you hear his word. You hear something that's good. Automatically you respond, oh, God, you're so good. That's easy. Start to 
do things deliberately. That's ordered by you now and not just that internal thing that just respond automatically. You've got that internal thing because you came from him that just automatically will shout out, thank you, Jesus. That's in you. You can't get away from that. The stone cold sinner, everybody in this world at some point in time has acknowledged him because he allowed something good to happen for them. And so it just blurts out. Thank you, Jesus. That's not what he's looking for. That's involuntarily. <laughs> that, 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 that thank you, Jesus, sometimes that we give him is involuntarily. I want to give him the thank you, Jesus, that I deliberately, that I did on my own, that I made up in my mind that I'm giving him the praise, that I'm saying thank you, Jesus, from the depths of my soul and not that, that automatic thing. To forget to thank God for all he is and, and, and what he's done re- reveals a dangerous self-centeredness. This causes, when we are self-centered, it causes futile thinking, planning, darkness, pride, blindness. All of these things will happen to us when we become self-centered. Our thinking will be futile. Our planning will be futile. Darkness will come upon us. Pride will rule us. Blindness will come upon us. And finally, total departure from God that will cause us to just live in sin. When we don't give God the praise, when we don't give God the glory, and we just begin to be self-centered. When God is declared absent in human thoughts, human lose much more than they bargain for. Truth and absolutes are quickly abandoned. When God is absent in our life, nothing is absolute truth anymore. This is why we can go to schools and they're telling you that there's no absolute truth. Jesus already told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So there is absolute truth. But when he's absent from our life, we will always negotiate. We will always compromise. We will always have discussion about things. When in some things pertaining to God, there is no compromising. There is no discussion. It is just the way it is. Take it or leave it. Something or someone must be at the center of life so humans make themselves central. When you become the central one where everything flows from you, then everything you try is futile in receiving satisfaction. Can I ask you? You can answer it in your mind. What in this life outside of Christ gives you satisfaction? Why do you think man is still roaming 
and we blaming all kind of things that we need to do and need to have when really what's really going on in your heart is nothing can satisfy you. And you're searching everywhere and you're going everywhere to get some satisfaction. Some of us, we want our children to give us satisfaction. We want our marriage to give us satisfaction. We want family to give us satisfaction. We want jobs to give us satisfaction. We want money and our things to give us satisfaction. And for some of us, we have all of that. And we're still seeking something. And we don't know what that is. Because you can't get satisfaction in this life or outside of this life from anything but Jesus. That's the only time you will ever be satisfied. Everything else in life will make you want more or want you to, well, try to experience it in a different way. But you ever notice when you really get a relationship with Jesus? You will say this. I might not have a whole lot of money, but I'm all right. I might not have the biggest house, but I'm all right. I might not be the most intelligent person or have the greatest greatest education, but I'm all right. Because what you're saying is I am satisfied because only Jesus can satisfy us. And we're trying to get satisfaction every place else. Whatever you do in this life. That you might not even say it, but you're thinking it, or it's just in you, where you're seeking some kind of satisfaction for your soul, you will never be fulfilled. I tell you all the time, bucket lists are so overhyped. Bucket lists are so overhyped. We, 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 we list a, a, a few things that we said, I got to do that, I got to do that. I don't think I've ever done anything in this life since I've been living that I'm like, yeah, I'm totally satisfied with that. Everything I said I got to do, by the time I get to it to do it, it's like, okay, I did it. Okay. Because what you think will happen, what you're really saying is it will bring satisfaction. We're, we're saying it will bring satisfaction, but it won't. When you finally get to it and do it, you're like, oh, okay. Because can't really nothing satisfy us but Jesus. There's nothing. Nothing. Nothing like him. Listen to me. Like Solomon, they discovered that everything is meaningless. Meaningless. Utterly meaningless. That's where Solomon says, all is vanity. What, that's what vanity means, meaningless. All of what Solomon, listen, why can't we take, remember I told you the other day, a foolish person tried to learn from their own mistakes. And a wise person learned from other people's mistakes. Y'all don't like that. <laughs> now you're still, I, I guess if you learn from your mistakes, it's still okay. But what I'm saying is, if you learn from other people's mistakes, maybe you won't make no mistakes. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but anyway, why don't we learn from Solomon? I don't think any of us in here tonight will ever have his riches. I don't think any one of us in here tonight will ever be a, a king like King Solomon. And he, before he died, 
says all is vanity. Isn't that a big clue to just say, I'm not chasing none of this stuff. Because if the person that had it all said it's vanity, what am I going to do? Try to, try to prove that's not true? Is that what I'm going to set out to do? I'm going to show King Solomon what he said can't be true. And so now I'm going to go accomplish things and have things to prove to King Solomon. You, you didn't know what you were talking about, King Solomon. Well, you can try that. But I'm just going to trust King Solomon that all is vanity. All is meaningless. The only thing that matters is Jesus. I'm going to trust King Solomon on that one. My God. Let me tell you something. I heard someone who was incarcerated make this statement. Freedom is being yourself. That, that, that struck me. It was a woman. Woman got, she's locked up. And they're interviewing her. And they asked her, now, how do you seem like you're at peace with all the crimes you used to commit? And her response was, freedom is being yourself. So I started thinking about that a little bit more. I said, you know what that means to me? All the crimes she was committing, she wasn't herself. That's what it meant to me. That if she's saying the reason why she's at peace now and she's okay while she's incarcerated, she's saying because I'm being me now. Before I came in here, I couldn't have been myself. So all the crimes she committed, she wasn't being her. And of course, I understood it. You've heard me said many a times. If you can see what I see when I went down to the prison to minister to those boys and men in the prison, when you see what I see, you, it's different. I go in there, I want to weep. And I'm sure some family out there want to kill them. And I want to weep for them. Because when I go in, I see something different than what was out there doing the crimes. So I'm going in there, and what I get to see is, they're in their right mind now. And now that they're in their right mind, now they have remorse. Now that they're in their right mind, they, they, they realize what they have done. But while they were committing those crimes, they weren't in their right mind. Whether it was drugs, alcohol, or whatever it was that they were hyped up on, or whoever hyped them up, they weren't in their right mind. So they finally get to the jail, and it might take them some time, but they become who they are. And some never become that, because they have to go in there and pretend again. But she had me thinking a little bit more. So I thought some more. And this scripture came to my mind. Who the son set free. And I realized she wasn't too far off. Here's what she missed. True freedom is being who you are supposed to be in Jesus Christ. She was very close when she said freedom is being yourself. She wasn't far off, but she didn't know Jesus. 
And if somebody will get to her and teach her about Jesus, she will be able to say true freedom is being who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. You see, when you become who you're supposed to be in Jesus Christ, you're not worrying about anybody else. You're not worrying about anything else. You're not worrying about what people think about you. You're not pretending. You're not carrying any weight. You're not trying to, you know, give yourself off as something that you're not. When you are truly being who you're supposed to be in Christ, it's different. It's different. You're free. And you don't care what anybody else thinks as long as you're pleasing him. This is why it's so easy for me to lift my hands and worship the Lord. This is why it's not hard to open up my mouth and just just begin to adore him and praise him. Because guess what? He has made me free and I'm happy to be who I am in Christ. Church, you need to be happy in who you are in Christ. You need to celebrate who you are in Christ because that's real, true freedom. That's liberty when you are in Christ and you are appreciating what you are in Christ. Oh, church, I don't know if you're receiving this. When we abandon God, we lose our standard or reference point from which to work from. I tell you, God has made me look smart in so many instances, and all I can tell you is, It's because I'm working from the reference point of who he is and what he says has nothing to do with me. Whatever I look at, however I perceive anything, I have to begin from the reference point of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I stand with it, whether it agrees with what I feel or it doesn't. It doesn't matter. I'm starting from the reference point of Christ. That's where your reference point is. That's where you start everything. Whatever you're thinking is, whatever you're pursuing, whatever you're trying to get some understanding of, whatever you're supposed to be doing, let the reference point, the reference point begin with Christ. And it will lead you in the right direction. When Christ is not your reference point, anything goes. And when anything goes, all that you're doing is fruit time. When in your life challenging you, when in your life can you identify a time in your life where you just felt like your every move was about Jesus? Because I watch sometimes, I, I'm a people watcher. Don't, don't worry about it, I'm a people watcher. And I watch sometimes, and I'm watching people doing so many things, and I'm like, in my mind, what is that for? What is that for? What is that for? I'm watching people doing stuff, and I'm saying in my mind, what is that for? What is it doing? It's fruitile, because if it's not concerning the Lord, what is it for? I'm not being, I don't know mean and and trying to tell you that we don't do other things but sometimes we gotta 
make sure we can see it for ourselves that we're wrapped up in this thing. We got to make sure we can see that we're wrapped up in Christ and not find ourselves running here and running there and doing this and doing that and we are not giving our all to Christ. When, when you're done doing all of that stuff, I'm going to say this before I just move on. This life is about God and people. It's not about anything else. It's not about anything else. I don't care what else you can come up with in your mind. This life that we live, that we're breathing and walking in, it's only about two things. God and people. Whatever you're doing, if it's not pertaining to those two, it's free time. So now, connect the dots. If I go to work every day, why do I go? I'm not telling you not to work. I just want you to be smart about what I'm saying. Connect the dots. Okay, you're going to work. For what? To make sure people are taken care of. You see what I'm saying? It's about him and us. It's not about anything else. And when we can narrow it down to that and understand that, we will be a whole lot better off and a lot less frustrated and a lot less angry. Oh, my God. It, life would be so much different when our actions are going into God and people. What are our actions supposed to go into? God and people. Having the knowledge and awareness of God will influence you to glorify God or criticize God. So don't get alarmed when people criticize our God. They have the knowledge, but guess what? In order not to respond to him, I got to criticize him. Because if I don't criticize him, then where does that leave me? I'm going to find myself having to have to respond to him. Having the knowledge of God will influence you to be thankful to him or be resentful toward him. This is why we're seeing some things that we're seeing. People have to suppress what they know about God in order to keep living the life that they're living. A lot of criminals have to drink to commit the crime. They have to smoke to commit the crime. They have to do drugs to commit the crime. They got to listen to certain kind of music to commit the crime. They have to get influenced by things to commit the crime, to do what they do. And so in order to do what we do, we have to make sure there's no God in us. To do the evil things, to do the wrong things, we have to try to stay as far away from God as we can. And that's what we end up doing. But when man glorify God and are thankful to God, they will not be vain in their imagination and their heart will not be foolish and darkened. 
Come on, somebody. When we begin to glorify God, everything changes. Everything that you heard me talk about earlier is when we suppress our knowledge, is when we suppress our recognition of God. All of those things will happen. But when we glorify God, then something else different happens. We will not be vain in our imagination, and our heart will not be foolish and darkened. Luke chapter 17 verse 15 says this, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. You know the story. Remember what I told you, when you recognize God, God will nurture that recognition. Watch this, 19. And he said unto him, arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. The nine, the, the ten lepers got healed. All ten of them got healed. Nine went their way and only one came back. But hear this, the the, the nine that got healed, right, they only got healed. The one that came back got healed, but he also was made whole. So God is showing us when we respond in giving him glory, when we respond in recognizing who he is, uh, things will happen. He will add to our life. But if we just, just take the little bit of trinkets of blessing and run our way, we will not get what we deserve or what God wants to give us. We're living on trinkets. We're living in li little tit and tat, little bit of this and little bit of that from God when God want to give us an outpouring of what he wants to give us. But we're not responding to God by glorifying him. Whatever blessing you think you have right now, little bit compared to what he wants to give you. Whatever you're experiencing spiritually, little bit compared to what he wants to give you. Until we decide we're going to give him the glory. We're only given just a little bit. And if we were given the glory, we would get a whole lot. John chapter 17 verse 1 says, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hours come. Glorify thou son, that thy son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. And this is life eternal. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, that word and should be changed to even, the only true God, even Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. 
Jesus in his relationship with the Father, even though he is the Father, guess what? He's showing when you give honor and honor is given, it's an overflow of blessings and power that will be released and revealed to us. But we've got to do our part by giving God glory. Revelations chapter 14, verse number 6, the word of God says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of the heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth, and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear and give glory, fear God and give glory to him. This is in heaven. Fear God and give glory to him. For the hour of his judgment has come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of the waters. When we give glory to God, it does something to us. I've always told you one of the most amazing things of God and with God is you give him praise. You give him glory and he does something for you. And usually you, 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 you go to how it goes. Well, we go to shows or we go to games. We give praise to people after they're done doing what they do. What did you get out of it? What did you get out of it? When, when, when you go to a, a basketball game and your favorite player score a point, you, oh, that was nice. You're giving him honor. But what did you get? But when you give God glory, you get something. I close to glorify God is to recognize, to honor and to praise him. To glorify God is to invest with dignity in him. To glorify God is to bestow honor upon him. To glorify God is to exalt him in dignity. To glorify God is to render him glorious. To glorify God is to celebrate him. To give esteem or honor by putting Jesus into an honorable position. To glorify God is to render glory to him. Recognize him for who and what he is. To glorify God is to celebrate Celebrate with praises, worship, and adoration. The question is, are we glorifying God like we're supposed to? Now that we know who he is and what he's done, are we glorifying God? I'm done. Since we know him. For some of us, we know him intimately. For others, you are aware of him. What will you do about having the knowledge of him? Will you let that automatic praise just come out? I'm done with the automatic praise. Because you ain't got no choice. You didn't control that automatic praise. That's why it's called automatic. It changed. It came out. It just did on its own. Because your body was created by him. Who you are is designed and created by him. So automatic praise. Thank you, Jesus. Because thank you, Jesus is praise, just in case you didn't know. Thank you, Jesus. And so sometimes you get out of something or, you know, you realize you've been kept from, you know, your life was spared or something good happened. Automatic. Thank you, Jesus. I'm not just going to give him the automatic. Because I'm not in control of the automatic. 
I'm going to give him what I'm in control of. Knowing that God exists is just not enough, church. You either recognize him or you reject him. In either instance, it's a perpetual behavior. And if you say you know who God is, if you say you know God exists, then it must be a perpetual behavior in your life that says, yes, I know that God exists. Yes, I know that God designed this world. Yes, I know God created me. Yes, I know God lives. Yes, I know God is coming back. Yes, I know God is real. And when I know that, there is a perpetual behavior of thanksgiving and glorification that I give to God because I know he exists he is real and he has done all of this God will judge our response to him and there will be no excuse he's going to say now that you know what was your response? Now that you knew, you know that I designed this world. Now that you know your breath that you breathe, I gave it to you. Now that you know I designed you. Now that you know I established the church. Now that you know I made a way for you to be saved. Now that you know I've been taking care of you and upholding you. Now that you know, what are you doing? The devil knew there was one God and he trembled. So God wants to know now that we know. You don't have no excuse. You don't even have the excuse anymore to say, well, you know, some of you know him much better than others. I know you got a deeper relationship with him than me. All I'm saying tonight is, as long as you know, he designed this world. As long as you know, he created you. You now have an obligation to glorify him. Now that you know, you have an obligation. Whatever we said glorification was, we said glorification is worship. Glorification is praise. Glorification is adoration. Glorification is celebration of him. Glorification is honor to him. Glorification is just recognition of who he is. Glorification is just to exalt him in a dignified way. Now that you know, what are you doing? What are you doing? Will you give God glory or will you ignore him or reject him? Your actions will tell it. Let's stand. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. <laughs> we got to give God the glory, church. Doesn't matter what we're going through. We got to give God the glory because whatever we're going through, it doesn't compare to what God can do for you. It doesn't compare to what God has done for you. All we need to be thinking about is giving God glory, glorifying God, honoring God, praising God, worshiping God, adoring God, and not just letting the automatic thank you, Jesus, come out. I'm telling you, sinners, thieves, criminals, say thank you, Jesus. You know how many people have made deals with God? God, if you get me out of this, I'll do this. They believe that God has done something for them. 
So as Christians, what will we tell God when sinners, criminals, are recognizing him and they're deliberately recognizing him? What are we going to tell him as Christians, born again believers, baptized, filled with his spirit? What are we going to tell him? There should never be a day that go by that we don't give God glory. <laughs> oh, God, I worship you and I praise you. There is none like you, oh, great God. We're so grateful that we can still have an opportunity and a chance, Lord God, to say thank you, Jesus. To say, Lord, I love you. To say, Lord, you are my God. You are my King. You are my Lord. I worship and adore you, oh great God. I lift up your holy name, Lord Jesus, for there is none like you. It is my desire, Lord, to give glory to you, Lord God. It is my desire to praise your name, Lord Jesus, for your good and you're worthy to be praised. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Jesus, there is none like you. Jesus, there is none like you. I will bless the Lord at all times. Your praise shall continually be in my mouth for the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they are saved. Lord, we praise you. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I bless your name, Lord. I praise your name, Lord. You're worthy of all the praises. You're worthy of all the honor. You're worthy, Lord God. You're worthy, Lord Jesus. I will bless your name. I will bless your name. I will praise your name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, I honor you. Jesus, I exalt your name. Oh, Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Oh, God. You're from everlasting to everlasting. You are the King eternal, immortal, the only wise God, the only true and living God. Oh, Lord. You are God all by yourself. And beside you, uh, there is no Savior. Beside you, uh, there is no Deliverer. Oh, God, you are the only true uh, and living God. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your grace. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, we lift our hands to you. We lift our voice to you. We bless your name. We honor you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Oh, God, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for your presence tonight. Thank you for forgiveness of sins. Thank you for baptism. Thank you for the filling of your spirit, Lord. God. Oh, Lord God, thank you for washing us. Thank you for cleansing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for providing for us. Thank you for protection. Thank you, Lord God, for guidance. Thank you, Lord, for provision. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of Jesus. Hey. Oh, hallelujah. 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 God, change something in us, Lord God. Whatever is hindering us, whatever have us bound, Lord, will you set us free tonight that we will be who we are in Christ Jesus, that we will praise you, Lord God, in the way we ought to praise you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, take our heart, Lord. Take our heart, Lord. Our heart belongs to you, Jesus. Oh God, do what you want to do in our lives because we give you the praise and we honor you and we bless your name and we love you, Lord. There is none like you, Jesus. There is none like you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, let's give the Lord the praise tonight. Let's bless his name. The Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Come on, clap our, let's clap our hands unto the Lord and thank him tonight. Let's glorify him. Let's give him the glory. Let's give him the glory. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the glory. He deserves all the praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Church, we're going to give him glory. As you're leaving tonight, don't forget our basket is out. If you want to give an offering tonight, give something to the building fund. Give an offering. God bless you. I love you. Have a wonderful evening and give God the glory. Don't forget Saturday morning, 9.30, outreach. And then the young people are going to go out to outreach at 12 noon. God bless you.